This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! The next time the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. Back for another week, Scoop Duck in High Five. My name is Matt Bagley. I'm joined across the interwebs by Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And a month ago, I know this was fresh on everybody's mind because I read the boards just like you do. Everybody had asked this question. How... Will Oregon compete in this new world? In this new world, not just with the money. We talked about NIL last week, but with recruits being allowed back on campus for the first time in 16 months. We're seeing our first glimpses that the world might be returning to normal again. What does that mean for college football, and what does that mean for Oregon recruiting, my friend? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it just... uh... You know, as you ask me that question, I kind of sit here and and really I feel like I'm almost taking for granted the last, we'll just call it like three or four-ish weeks where things have really ramped up towards, you know, towards the normal. You know, you're seeing fewer masks out there. Things are open and, you know, uh, getting people back in and, and getting busier. And, uh, you know, I know for me personally, yesterday the fair opened up here in Jackson County. And my kids, uh, my my two youngest kids are going to be out of town uh, this weekend starting tomorrow. So yesterday was kind of the only day they could go. So we went um, and, uh, you know, walking around, uh, it was pretty busy. Uh, a lot of people seemed pretty anxious to return to that. And I think I only saw two or three masks um, the whole time I was out there, maybe maybe a few more. So just it just seems like we're getting to that and, and how that relates to to college you know, obviously, uh, you know, I'm not a, I'm not on campus. I'm not a college student, but I would, I would assume much of the same, you know, I know it's summer and some of the kids stick around for summer, some don't, but, you know, having them around, um, I, I think folks don't understand how valuable that is in recruiting. Uh, it's really hard to recruit, obviously. Uh, Eugene is a great place that really sells itself. Uh, a lot of great things to like about Eugene. But I think one of the things that really, really uh, just kind of makes the experience better is, you know, seeing the students on campus, getting to talk to non-football players about what they like there, getting to see them, meet them, you know, see the cultural diversity uh, you know, I, I think those are all very important things, and I think that that's a huge part of recruiting. Even in the summer, I understand that, that the campus is not nearly as busy in the summer as it is in the fall, winter, uh, and in the spring. But, you know, I think it still adds a lot of value to recruiting. Obviously, I know we'll get into it. Mario Cristobal and his staff are, are, are doing incredibly well in recruiting the last few weeks. And, you know, furthermore, that's allowed uh, high school students to take visits and, and – uh, it's been a wild month. It's been a wild month and a half or so. And it just, it, I don't know. It, it just feels really good. All of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think back to something you said. Yes. Uh, the, the last time we did a pod almost said yesterday, but the last time we did a pod, you said 
the last month and a half was so busy that Mario's actually going to take some time off. Yeah, I, I, you, I mean, you have to. And, and you, I mean, you absolutely have to. Uh, there, there's no way that these guys can go as hard as they do. And they do. I mean, I, I know everybody can appreciate what Mario Cristobal does. I think everyone's pretty well aware that, that the man, you know, spends 20 hours of his day uh, about, you know, trying to make the university better in one way or another, the football program better in one way or another. Uh, but his staff works just as hard recruiting, uh, you know, the, 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 the edit guys, the video guys, all of them, uh, got to get some time off, got to go see family, got to recharge, got to make sure everything's going well at home. And, and probably some of these guys have a, a honeydew list, I would assume, uh, to get done. But yeah, I mean, just like I know myself personally, you know, this last week, week and a half, uh, you know, I've done a little bit lighter work uh, simply because there's not as much going on. And, you know, we're about to hit uh, the end of July and ramp up into fall camp. Uh, you know, practice will start next month. And then, uh, you know, the football season starts in September. And it, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a three or four or five month grind pretty well all the way through January uh, once we hit that mark. So got to got to recharge the batteries. Do you think that recruiting has been changed in any way since the pandemic? Uh, I, I mean, I think you had to navigate the, uh, the landmines that were there, uh, during the pandemic without visits and stuff like that. I, I, I don't, I don't think that it's changed all that much now, you know, being able to get recruits on campus and doing that, uh, you, you know, you're back to basically selling the strengths of your program and, and, and selling, uh, you know, the, the atmosphere and those other things that recruits really look at when they get on campus. So no, I don't, I don't think it's changed much. Um, I think if we had Mario Cristobal on the podcast today and, you know, again, you ask him, hey, what's the secret sauce? What's the special sauce, you know, to, to, to recruiting and why, you know, you guys are successful. And I think he'd simply say effort. You know, we put in the time, we develop relationships, you know, we recruit these guys really hard, make sure they know that they're a priority to us. And I, I mean, it, it probably sounds cliche and it, it, it probably sounds more simple than it should. But, you know, I truly believe that's the simple sauce is just it's just flat out effort. And I think that, uh, you know, Mario Cristobal would say that if he was on the podcast right now. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, looking at the rankings for, um, uh, 27, uh, I, I am just tongue tied today. I'm sorry, folks. Looking at the rankings from 24 seven sports, 2022 recruiting rankings here, ducks are number eight. And I'm curious, after that flurry you talked about a few minutes ago, this month and a half of, of the world of recruiting really reopening, is eight a good spot? And is eight an attainable spot as we get closer to January? Yeah, eight's a great spot. I mean, I think, uh, you know, you know, my opinion, usually, typically in any recruiting year, the first and second uh, you know, the, the teams that finish first and second are usually first and second by a little bit of a margin. You know, the, you know, Alabama, Clemson or Alabama, Ohio State or, or Clemson, Ohio State, you know, those those, uh, you know, couple programs there are, are pretty truly elite landing more five stars than anyone else. But, you know, after that, you start getting into like three, four, five through ten. The margin's pretty small. You know, it means means most of your class is is likely made up of four stars. Uh, you know, probably somewhere in the seventy five percent range made up of four stars. You've been maybe fortunate enough to land a five star or two, or you know, uh, a five star and at least maybe a couple really high ranked four stars. 
um you know and, and and yeah you'll have you'll have a couple three stars in there but again you can't have too many so i i think if you're eight uh without even looking without even having it in front of me i would say that the recruiting points from number eight to number four are probably less than 10 you're talking about i don't know i'm just guessing here it's not in front of me but i'm guessing you're talking about the difference between 230 points in recruiting and 240 points in recruiting pretty marginal so yeah, being eight's great. Uh, obviously, being in the top five is even better. But but you're right there. Uh, you know, Oregon's got a really strong class. I think they they started out maybe uh, just getting a couple guys. Uh, yeah, how do I want to say this right? I, I think they started out a little carefully, a little methodically. Took a couple guys early that that uh, you know got the class jump started. Doesn't mean they're bad players or anything, uh, but. I think what you're saying is that they've really ramped it up with these last four or five commits, pretty highly ranked guys, you know, five star and Kelvin banks. You've got uh, mostly four stars after, uh, you know, along with him, the last four or five commits, um, you know, building depth on the offensive line, getting, getting really good players and, and not just their ranking, but, you know, a guy like Cam Williams, uh, the offensive lineman that they got, you know, he's only a three-star, right? But, I mean, he's got Texas. He's got Oklahoma. I mean, Oregon beat out some legit schools for that young man. So, I think that says a lot about, you know, if you're taking a three-star, okay, he's a three-star, not a four. You know, what are some of his offers? Who are the, you know, who are the other hats on the table, uh, you know, when he makes his decision? So, I think that says a lot there. Um, yeah, I, you know, as far as them finishing number eight, uh, it's going to come down to numbers. I mean, I know that he's, you know, and, and I say he, Mario Cristobal has got some work to do. I, I'm pretty sure he's over. Uh, he's not over numbers today, but you have to, you know, manage the roster and the fact that, okay, I've got 15 verbal commitments now. You know, I only have room for 10 of them in December. That means between now and December, I've got to make I've got to make room for those other five. Uh, and there's obviously only one way to do that, and that's through attrition. So, um, you know, you, you're just constantly battling those numbers. It's not anything he has to handle today. It's not anything he has to handle tomorrow. But it's something you've got to watch. It's something you've got to prepare for. Uh, and I think that's where they're at. My point to that is, is, is Oregon, I, I think, at the 15 or 16 commits that they're at now, they're over. I think their numbers are over if those kids sign tomorrow. So um, every recruit that he you know takes a commitment from between now and that time just makes the job harder and harder so uh, if Oregon can finish with like maybe say 23 or 24 signees in this class which will be tough uh, I think they can remain in that top 10 in that top eight you know where they're at now uh, if the number's lower you know if the number's at, at 20 or 21 uh, you know I think it's going to be a little bit tougher so um, we'll just kind of have to see how that goes for for Mario Cristobal and you know, I guess what what I'm saying right now is if if there are some players that leave the program over the next two, three, four months, how whenever whenever that happens, uh, there's a reason why. And and uh, you know, it's not like where you need to panic because the program's in trouble. It's it's simply just a matter of you know what we'll call the process. Yeah. Um. I I know you've shined on this nugget before. When you look at the number of commits in a class. What's a ideal number to you? Well, you, I mean, you'd love to sign 25 every year. I mean, if you mean specifically in this class, knowing that Mario Cristobal's got a, a number management crisis, we'll call it. You know, I, I, I think saying 23 is pretty uh, – signing 23 is, is a good number. Um, 
it's going to make it tough, but I think that's a good number. Anything over that's going to be incredibly tough. But I mean, you'd love to sign 25 every year. Although I should backtrack a little when I say that. Um, if you're signing 25 guys that you truly, truly want that are just, you know, you know, they're, they're difference makers, they're dudes, they're, they're four stars, they're, you know, then you could sign 25. But with the advent, you know, the addition of the, of the transfer portal now, I think you always want to have a spot or two open. I mean, ideally in a perfect world, you want to have a spot or two open because we've seen some pretty big names hit the portal, uh, you know, this season. Uh, and I, I don't think that that trend's going to change at all. You're going to see a lot of players hit the portal, um, you know, continuously year after year. So um, I, I think ultimately you need to sign somewhere around 23 most years and give yourself a spot or two of wiggle room because again, um, I mean, th- there's just so many guys that hit the portal. You got to be ready, and and that helps you. Does it? You don't want to. You don't want to be in a spot where you're building an entire team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with 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 transfers. Um, you know, Oregon State's doing that, not wholeheartedly, but much more so than Oregon. I think that's a good recipe for them. They don't have the roster that Oregon has. Right. Uh, they haven't been able to recruit at that level, but. Uh, if you're recruiting at a high level, say like Oregon or say like Alabama for a sustained time, um, you know, you'll be using less and less of those guys because you've recruited really well. So, um, yeah, again, keep a spot or two open every year, sign around 23, you know, keep your class in that top 10 uh, for rankings and, and and being able to kind of hang your hat on that a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's how, I think that's how Mario Cristobal is trying to do it. And that's how I would do it as well. Yeah, no, I I think that the Oregon State approach, like like you said, they just don't have the players Oregon has, so they have to go that approach. Um, And I've argued for years on my radio show, I think one reason that that staff is so eager for the transfer portal, you know, where they get, say, uh, the Beaverton alum, Sam Neuer, to, to line up at quarterback and have a quarterback battle this fall, I think the reason that they were so eager to do that is because it's so rare for that program to get a a three, four, or five-star talent out of high school. And it might be easier to get that guy if he's sitting on the bench at Nebraska like Tristan Jebbia was or, or sitting on the bench at Colorado like Sam Neuer was for a long time. Um, easier to get that guy when you're dangling – power five d1 playing time yeah I, I you know like if you could see um you know like a like a graph almost like just a two-sided graph if you will uh, and i'm using my hands kind of going back and forth you know you you want them in the middle right you get get to the middle uh you know i think if you're looking at oregon state you know right now they're they're going transfer heavy you know so the one side's up high recruiting is down low you know you want to you just want to gradually work that closer to the middle there's i mean there's really only the only way to get better and and win and at least prove to the future recruits that you're you know you're a school that develops talents develops talent and competes uh you know you go get those transfer guys you get immediate help you get immediate depth uh, and then as you're more successful you know you're relying on doing that less and less and your recruiting is moving up and and doing you know kind of being the depth more and more that way but um no no disrespect to jonathan smith but he was left with a pretty bad roster and i think he's handling it the right way to get better quicker um 
And, and so, and I, I think that's what the transfer portal is for. I mean, it's, it's, you know, these guys signed with Tennessee or they signed with Alabama or they signed with Notre Dame or Clemson and they're, you know, highly ranked four stars and it just doesn't pan out there. Well, you know, when you're amongst a bunch of other four stars, you know, it, it becomes really tough. You go to a place like Oregon State or, or Boise State or somebody that's that's not at that level, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to get out there and play right away and compete. And, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what it's all about. The cream's going to rise to the top at the end. And I, and I definitely think that this helps some of the, the lower schools. And, and again, if I was a head coach, it's the way Dennis Erickson did it back in the day, just when you had JUCOs. He went and signed a bunch of JUCOs. Well, you know, the transfer portal is just JUCOs on steroids. And, 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 and I don't mean that. I don't mean that literally. No, I just mean. No. <laughs> I, got, I got the reference. No, because it's the yeah. same idea. It's the same idea of a guy will play somewhere yeah. for one year, maybe two years, and then he's looking elsewhere. Um, r- related to this in this tangent, is it fair to say that Oregon is on the other side of that transfer portal brouhaha where you might not be thinking we need to get five guys in the portal this year, but you're thinking we need to keep five guys from using the portal? Uh, yeah, you mean you need to keep more guys on your team. Is right. that what you're saying? Yeah. In, instead of going into the portal, uh, he needs guys in the portal. Let's <laughs> be, you know, uh, and, and I, I say that, uh, but it's a, it's a credit to uh, the L, the level that Oregon is recruiting at. They've simply recruited better. They've recruited better these last two years than they did the first two years. And I think, you know, and that's, that's pretty natural. You, you know, you had a new head coach uh, in Mario Cristobal. He was, obviously well regarded as a recruiter but not ultimately a, a proven track record as a head coach and now he's kind of well established that uh, you know there there is a winning culture at Oregon he can win the tough games you know he's got the program headed the right direction not there yet but headed the right direction you know so the recruiting is elevated so you know that's a p- pretty natural byproduct instead of a class that maybe finished uh, in the teens, you know, a, a, a class ranked around 15 or 18, which is a great class, which is a, which is a great class. You know, his classes are finishing in the top tens now. Well, that means that you're taking less four stars or excuse me, less three stars and signing more four stars. You know, those guys are, are pushing other guys out and that's just a natural byproduct. So um, he needs some guys to hit the portal. Um, that's going to be something that has to happen over the next few months. I don't have any specific names. I don't have any. I'm not going to talk about anyone to target. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm, it's pretty obvious if you could see guys that that maybe were highly ranked out of high school and aren't playing, or guys that you know you haven't heard their name called in two, three, four years after being in the program, they're more than likely candidates to hit the portal. And and uh, it's no slight to them, but just like we were talking about, guys that don't cut it out, Alabama for instance, go play at Oregon State and, and get on the roster and, and play right away. Maybe guys that aren't cutting it at Oregon can, you know, go down to Cal or San Jose State or UNLV or something and and get on the field right away and not only play and start. So um, it's a natural thing. But, yeah, Mario Cristobal needs some guys to hop in there this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, how, how do you think NIL changes the portal at all? You know, I haven't thought about that i don't uh, i don't think it does i mean it's become a recruiting tool no doubt i mean you're you know oregon i believe as others are are using you know ties 
uh, with, we'll just say Nike or with other corporations or, 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 or big companies uh, that they have good relationships with. They're using that in recruiting now, but I mean, you know, Alabama, Tennessee, Clemson, everybody's doing it. USC, everybody's doing it. Um, you know, you saw the graphic from, from Washington. I know Oregon fans love to make fun of it, uh, especially the misspelling of Costco on the edit, but um, I mean, putting out companies that they are, you know, putting out an edit with companies they have relationships with. I don't know that it, it will necessarily help uh, with the transfer portal. Uh, I, I just don't know that Oregon is, is, is going to ever lean on the transfer portal all that much. But uh, I think it certainly could help. Like, let's just say you have a Boise State. If there's kind of a, a, a mid-level school that has some really good relationships, it could certainly help them land uh, you know, some of those highly, highly ranked transfer guys, it might help them land some of those guys because they could say, Hey, look, not only are you going to play right away, you know, we have great opportunities to brand yourself here with our school, you know, come give us a shot. So I could see it that way. I don't know that it necessarily changes much, but um, I could see that being the case a little bit. Yeah. You mentioned the, uh, the, the Costco name drop by uh, one of the schools in the pac 12 I, I, I have my doubts about something like that. Like, Kayvon Thibodeau having that deal with Phil Knight and Tinker Hatfield, that makes sense to me because it's basically them branding him as a Nike athlete before he leaves campus. That makes a lot of sense to me. This thing with Costco, like, well, like what's the advantage for Costco to endorse, say, the starting quarterback of the Huskies? I don't see the advantage. And I think that's the thing. I think folks assumed it, you know, I mean, you saw it on Twitter. You saw, you know, folks just naturally assume that, oh, hey, look, you know, NIL's out now. So everybody's getting deals. Everybody's getting money. Well, I mean, let's be realistic. These companies are in business to make money. The reason they're still in business is because they've made money. They're smart with their money. They're not going to just, here, let me throw you know, a million dollar deal at a, at a student athlete right. uh, in football and see if it helps us. Okay. Uh, propose me an idea and tell me how we both mutually benefit. I'll pay you, but what am I getting in return? So like you said, a company like Nike, no brainer, right? Obvious no brainer that, that a, comp- uh, a, a school affiliated with Nike or a school affiliated with Adidas or something of that matter in a sports related arena, Gatorade, right. Those all make sense. Yeah. But yeah, you know, using Costco or Delta Airlines or, you know, just some of these random companies, it's like, all right, well, how does this, how does, you know, what, what is this company going to get in return for, for their investment? Because that's, that's the name of the game. That's business 101. So yeah, I'm like you, I don't understand everybody just starting to throw out names like, oh, well, you know, we have a guy that's, you know, the CEO, CEO of this company, like, great. He's the CEO of State Farm Insurance. How does that help me? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it gets back to kind of the same debate we've we've seen in college athletics forever of of everyone believes that their school or their their town, their market can have some magic benefactor. Right. Everybody thinks they can just find another Phil Knight and the, the Phil Knight doesn't grow on trees. Number one. And number two, the, the folks that just give money away, I think about, say, the relationship Oklahoma State had with T. Boone Pickens. It's not like Oklahoma State won titles, right? So sometimes throwing money isn't the, the, uh, the be-all, end-all either. It's more complicated than that. 
It's funny you say that because I was immediately going to go to that one. You know, obviously Oklahoma State got a huge benefactor, T Boone Pickens, very smart businessman. I'm right. sure he'd love to help the university, you know, improve. But at the same time, he's not going to just say, "Yeah, here's twenty million dollars, go get a bunch of four star recruits." That's not he's 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 not a successful business person, you know, because he was careless with his money. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's got to make sense. We're we're it, it sure seems like there's so much to learn from this still that, you know, I said this on the last podcast and it remains true. Very few companies are interested in anything long term on this front at the moment. Everyone's still getting a feel for it. You might see some one off deals. You know, uh, you might see, hey, look, we'll give you a one time uh, payment to come and be on our podcast for a month or something like that. Um, you know, something that doesn't, you know, get them entered into a long-term contract. I think you're seeing a lot of folks that are are interested in that right now till they can get a better feel for it. There's certainly doesn't seem to be any major companies saying, hey, let's jump all in and, and sign 100 guys and, and lock them up for four years because they're going to be a first-round NFL draft pick. It just It's just not happening right now. And, and, and I'm frankly, I'm glad to see it because I'm I'm still really skeptical that this is good for college football in the end. And I think that 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 flurry, those short-term deals, like you talk about, as somebody that I I work in advertising, it makes sense to me. Like I remember vividly, um, I've I've been involved with probably four or five launches of brand new radio stations in my career, and I remember the first one that I worked on was a top 40 station so like like popular pop music you know justin bieber that whole deal i'm not into it but anyway um we launched that station and for the first six months we had almost no commercials nobody would pay to advertise there and the reason why was we didn't have any ratings surveyed because that happens like every six months where, where say, I think it's Nielsen is the company, will call people and, and do all the calculations that they do and estimate what radio ratings are. It took six months. After those six months, when that brand new station had ratings and that brand new station could say, we have a number of people that listen to us and, and here's our value, all of a sudden we got swamped with advertisements. And, yeah. and I think you're going to see something similar where – yeah, on, on day one, July 1, when all these states had NIL bills, there was a flurry. That was the word you used. I think you'll see that flurry through the summer, and I think it's going to cool down in the fall and in the winter. And then as you get close to Christmas time, I think you'll see companies start to dig deep, and, and particularly a lot of the marketing agencies that do business for these companies – I think you're going to see them do the research and find out, okay, when the Mackenzie Milton, was it worth the endorsement money? With Kayvon Thibodeau, was it worth the endorsement money? And you're going to see people just go down the list in college football and college athletics, and then I think you'll see uh, more long-term NIL deals that can make a bigger impact in recruiting. Well, and, and let's be real. It, like, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not the most – I'm not the sharpest businessman there is out there, but I'm sitting here thinking, okay, what does, you know, um, what does Coca-Cola have to gain from 
signing Kayvon Thibodeau to a deal. Right. You know, not much. Uh, wh- what's the benefit? Not much. But if I take if I take that back, and we say, okay, uh, what does? How about let's just? I think most Eugene people will recognize. What about Dairy Mart? Okay, so Dairy Mart says, hey, Kayvon Thibodeau, let's mm-hmm. get a deal with you promoting our store. I think the local businesses have more to gain right. with the players in their market. So yeah, if you're a local Eugene business, if you're an insurance company or, or a car dealership or, or Dairy Mart or you know, one of these maybe small chains or a local business, I think entering into some sort of arrangement with uh, you know, a player at the University of Oregon is probably a good benefit to your business. Now that said, that's probably it's probably not going to be a big enough deal to register on a national scale. And it's more than likely not going to be a big enough deal for it to really impact your recruiting efforts, if that makes sense. So I think that that's where I see this going. You know, if you own a, you know, a a taxi cab service in Eugene, you know, find a player and say, Hey, after your game and you've been tailgating, call us and we'll get you home or whatever. I mean, that, that, that's something that makes sense to, to me as a business person. It just doesn't, you know, once again, it just doesn't make sense if you make furniture to call up Troy Franklin and try and, you know, offer him a deal. <laughs> right. Right. Well, the, the Coke analogy to me goes like this. Um, I I'm not going to buy a Coke just because an athlete has it or or you mentioned an airline earlier. I'm picky about my airlines. And, let you know, let's say it's uh What's the airline that dragged that guy off the plane, kicking and screaming, a couple years back? Do you remember that? Yeah. Yep. I I think it was Delta. Was it was it Delta or or United? I, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember which one, but I remember the scenario. Right. I remember what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. So the guy gets dragged off the plane. He's bloodied. He's kicking and screaming. And I remember saying, "I'm never going to use that airline, like ever." And and true to form, with my honeymoon coming up. I booked Alaska because I didn't want to use the he- the uh, airline that drags a guy off the plane kicking and screaming, and um, and so yeah, if if Kayvon Thibodeau is the official athlete of that airline or or anybody right, Troy Franklin, Sean Dollars, anybody, I don't care. I'm not going to use it. Where I think that, like you said, the local endorsements have weight is. If you live in Eugene and you live and breathe and die with duck football and Tracktown Pizza or Ninkasi or, you know, some some institution in Lane County has an endorsement deal with a duck, I think that sways people because I, I think that then has has some some cachet where you see that endorsement and it, it just it, you already liked the place. And now it just kind of gives you that extra push to uh, to spend your money there. Well, yeah, because you see that that institution is supporting something you love. So in turn, you're going to go, hey, I'm, these guys are spending the money that you know that I'm, you know, spending there on supporting something I love. I'm going to keep you know continue to support them, uh, you know, because I appreciate that. I mean, it, it makes total sense on the local front. It just there are very few deals nationally and, and, and don't get me wrong. Kayvon Thibodeau deserves the deal he got. I mean, he's, he's an an obvious top 10 pick. Um, I think it's wonderful, but that's, it's a hundred percent a recruiting tool. It's 1000% a recruiting tool for Mario Cristobal to use with other players that, Hey, look at this big deal. We were able to get our guy. It makes sense. It's a great deal. I, I, I don't fault it at all, 
but it, let's 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 call it what it is at the at the moment. All right. Um, switching gears here, Oregon has hired a new assistant coach. This is UCF or former UCF, I should say, special teams coach Nick Toth. Uh, my my first question, just gut, how does this change Bobby Williams's role on the staff? You know, I don't. It doesn't change his role at all. Um, uh, a lot of folks. How do I say this? Right. A lot of folks wonder why Bobby Williams is on the staff, right? Okay, I mean, he, he's obviously a little bit older. He's not um, an active recruiter as some of the other coaches are. Uh, you know, uh, in my mind, and I'm sure in Bobby's mind, and I'm sure in Mario Cristobal's mind, there's probably some form of a of a, of a a timeline for him to hang him up. I mean, he's not going to do this thing forever. He's had an amazing run as a collegiate coach as a head coach, as an assistant coach, uh, I think that people undervalue the amount of experience and the amount that he's been able to help Mario Cristobal grow as a head coach. It doesn't mean Cristobal runs every decision by Bobby Williams, but it means that that guy might be in the office and you say, hey, look, Bobby, here's where we're struggling. How, you know, what what can we do? Or, And it might not just be strategy. It might be, some, might be big picture. It might be you know, building out a roster or, or, or building out your staff or, I mean, so many things that, you know, and, and Bobby's been a part of Michigan State. He's been a part of Alabama, some winning programs. There's a lot to glean from a guy like that. Bobby's not going to do this forever. So I believe that they have helped him a little bit having Ken Wilson come over and do some of the, you know, some of the tackling work and stuff like that on special teams. They've kind of helped uh, you know, him there a little bit. I think that this hire continues to help him also gives somebody the ability to come in, learn from Bobby Williams for a season or two, or who knows, you know, gain some very valuable experience from B-Dub and be in line to, you know, maybe be his successor or who knows. But that certainly to me is what it looks like at the moment and feels like I don't think anything changes um, you know, day to day, you know, Bobby's still the guy, but again, now you've got somebody that, you know, has come in and can not only help you, but you can also, uh, you know, kind of help groom for the position. Should you decide that this is your last season or next season is, or whatever, whatever your plan is. But I mean, let's be real. It's probably on the horizon sooner than later. So that's very much what this feels like to me. Okay. Yeah. I just was curious because between you and I, I like Coach Williams. I've I've listened to a lot of interviews that he's done over the years because, you know, my friend Joey Mack, Duck Insider, will air him on our radio show three to four uh, every day here in Medford and and uh, you know statewide. I think it's uh, one o'clock on the Ducks radio network. Uh, Joey will air Coach Williams's interviews probably three or four times a season, and the vibe I've always gotten is. Is he the world's greatest special teams coach? Not really, but he has a wealth of coaching and a wealth of football knowledge that I think fills in the gaps for everybody else on that staff. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think you're dead on there. He's relatable. Um, he, the one, uh, 
two things here. Let me let me back up. I think one of the smartest things that I've ever done in my life is about the time I think I was 25-ish or so, somewhere in that range, I recognized that there is so much value to learning, you know, learning from somebody who's more experienced than myself and actually listening to them and taking their advice or their suggestions to heart because more than likely they've already made this, the mistakes you're about to make and they're trying to help you. And and I think that's one of the hardest things that we transition from, you know, you're 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 15 years old, you're 18 years old, whatever, you know it all, you know, you 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 already you already got it all figured out. Well, eventually you figure out that the people that <laughs> are a little farther ahead of, of you in life uh, actually have a little better handle on it. And there's a lot to learn. I think there's a lot of value there, uh, you know, with B-Dub in that regard, but he's, he's relatable. Um, I just think that he's well-spoken and I don't feel like he's a guy that tries to act like he knows it all, or he's smarter than everybody else. I think he does a really good job kind of staying in his lane, you know, knowing where he's strong, probably asking for help where he needs help. Um, and I think that there's a lot of value in having a guy like that around there. It's a lot less dangerous to have that guy than the inexperienced guy who thinks he knows it all and and uh, is going to make those mistakes along the way, unfortunately. Right. Um, I I feel pretty good then on any questions we could go over. It's uh, it's a pretty quiet period with coaches taking vacation and uh, the, the first salvos of the new realm of recruiting all, all kind of behind us now um is there anything else you want to talk about today no i mean uh you know recruiting i get a bump here uh in about a week ish week and a half because saturday night live will take place uh in eugene later this month i haven't heard anything concrete but i would assume that this event will be open to the public but uh you know again that's a, a chance for the staff to bring in a lot of really good players from around the country bring back some of their commits get one last chance to make sure everybody's good uh you know and just and just have some time to bond so i know that that's going to be a big event that we can maybe start to talk about next week um but yeah like you said it's it's just it's quiet um there is a a a commitment set for sunday i don't recall if there's a time established but four-star offensive lineman dave iuli does commit on sunday I've had my prediction in for Oregon for a while. It looks like 24-7 guys are starting to follow suit as well. So the Ducks could be potentially picking up a four-star offensive lineman out of Seattle on Sunday, adding to that uh, number eight recruiting class. So that that's kind of what we have. That's kind of coming up. That's uh, I, I think uh, it, it's hard because there's not a ton to talk about at the moment. But, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks, it should be good. And then we're going to hit fall camp and – there's going to be a lot more to talk about. So um, I, I'm enjoying the quieter time, if you will, but I'm, exci- I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the chaos. I'm ready for the madness at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoying the quiet time. Ready for the chaos. Sounds like my summer as well. He's Justin Hopkins. I'm Matt Bagley. And uh, we'll revisit this chaos next week right here. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Give us a listen on practically any podcast app out in the world. If you can't find us on your favorite app, let me know. I'm on Twitter at Bagley Sports. I'm also a lurker on those Scoop Duck boards. Uh, If you're over there, you know where to find Justin, a.k.a. J-Hop. And um, share the pod with your friends. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and go Ducks. I can do this now.